back again with Not A Podcast, which is clearly a podcast. Back here again with my good friend, Reese Weeks. How's it going, man? Not too bad, my friend. How are you? Oh, it's been a big week. Not a lot of news, but important news. I actually, I thought there wasn't going to be as much. And then when we actually got down to it and looked at it, there is a lot to talk about. And of course, we get the typical Trump bombshell when just when you think that there's not really much all that can go, again, happen. Once again, broken on what is obviously an exclusive platform for him, which is Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, of course. And I, I got to give it to him. I don't want to give too much away on what we're going to speak about, but great timing for this one because what, what was it, like late Friday evening in the US? Or is it early? Is it a Saturday? It's, uh, it's a Friday over there. Friday, okay, yeah, which is great. So that pushes him out of the normal news cycle. So <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, anyway, All the podcasts except this one are no longer going on for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, so this is a scoop. This is a scoop. Not a podcast exclusive. It's not really an exclusive, but yeah. let's claim, let's claim <laughs> it. This is about the best we're going to get. So basically, there's breaking news that came out today. Of course, this podcast comes out on Tuesday, but you know, delays and stuff. Uh, so Priebus is out as chief of staff of the White House. I I think I kind of I kind of semi expected this. Um, well, there's been rumors of it going on for months and months. A long time. We just yeah. read an article about seven times that the mainstream media have come out and said that he's probably going to be. Yeah, I think this was Snopes or something. Just kind of like picking at little possibilities. Yeah, um, does this does this um, justify their their seven? Um, well, you know what? Maybe this means that there were there were seven times where he was like on the edge, of it, but he was just giving him another second chance. I don't want second chance. I don't want to give chance. I don't want to give MSM like the mainstream media any any uh, no credit way. here though, because no you know that they're just going to make up. It's it's kind of like that old adage of like you know throw whatever and just hope that something sticks, which <laughs> is kind of what's happened here. It's like if you if you if, make if every you, prediction under the sun. You're going to get one if right. If you keep saying something's going to happen, then maybe one day it will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's I kind mean, of what's happened here. Anyway, so what we've seen happen in the past week is Anthony Scaramucci come on as uh, communications, head of communications for the Trump administration. Yep, yep. Um, so Scaramucci's come on and gone practically nuts. I mean, I, I'm, nuts. Not, I'm not quite sure if you kept up to it, but he <laughs> went after, after Priebus. Um, he's gone after a few others and... Pretty tactless. Um, I mean, kind of running his mouth on he the got, record. He got into a position of a little bit of power, and he's just like, "I'm going to say every opinion that comes into my yeah, head." Yeah, and honestly, he is Trump mini me. Like, I even <laughs> yeah. saw, I even saw yeah. a video where he's um, he's copying Trump's hand signals. You know, he's like his hand really? gesture. Yeah, and That's it's so pretty much funny. spot on. You know, he's doing the whole. You know, it's it's all there. But um, That's awesome. I think everyone thought that seeing as Scaramucci had come in. He was kind of being groomed for the chief of staff role. Yeah, that's why I was so surprised when I got here today and you said Priebus is out. And who is it? John Kelly. I didn't even know who this guy was before. Uh, well, he's the director. He was the director of Homeland Security. Okay, so really, I have nothing more to add on exactly who this guy is. I guess yeah. I guess we'll kind of flesh this out. And maybe make a note of it next week. Yeah, I kind of feel like. Because we've never really heard a lot about him, Trump's never really talked about him. I feel like this may be a case of Trump listening to his team rather than just going Scaramucci. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, two two minds about this one. This could be. I, I think Trump rewards loyalty, yep. so yeah, that's true. like that's his big thing. So I think 
where Priebus was always going to fall down is the fact that he was the former head of the RNC. So massive establishment guy, which is great. It gives you a lot of sway with your establishment guys. Yeah, yeah. But if you're Trump and you're saying, I'm going to drain the swamp and then you're best friends with Priebus, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you're getting things done, you can say to, to your base, to your fan base, well, it doesn't really matter. We're getting things done. doesn't matter if I'm involved with the establishment. Exactly. But things weren't getting done. I mean, uh, Priebus was arguably running a bit of a dysfunctional house because the White House and the staff within it yeah. really weren't doing a great... Like, I mean, leaks coming left, right and centre. and All the time. Irrespective of what you think about um, you know, what's going on, it's not great to have continuous leaks that shroud your policy. I mean, if you're going to be delivering policy or you're going to be um, actually winning people over, you can't have every five seconds some sort of semblance of a rumour... Or some sort, and that's all. That's what exactly. it became. It was Spicer exactly. was getting up every week, and it was like, "What about this rumor? What about that rumor?" And it's like everyone, you know, there was a thing about St Steve Bannon. Now yeah. Stephen yeah. Bannon's taken a massive back seat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the whole Steve Bannon alt, alt right white supremacist things kind of died down. Yeah. yeah. But you you do you need to clean house. I mean, he hasn't done a good job, and I think we were saying this just quickly before we started. I don't care that he's that he's. Fight him. No, basically, it's the same as any other job. Just because it just happens to be the White House and the American government doesn't, doesn't mean it doesn't run like a normal job. If you aren't doing your job, then you need to get, exactly. get gotten rid of and someone who will do the job needs to be brought in. And this is, this is the thing people don't quite understand. People like this, they serve at the behest of the president. So it's not as if he's ruined his life he gets to pick and choose that's part and parcel you pick your yeah, administration administration who you think is going to do the best job he's, he's the boss exactly so i mean what are the ramifications of this we don't really know how the establishment republicans are going to respond to it i mean we've already seen john mccain throw his vote against the you know so-called skinny repeal of obamacare yep. a lot of people are really unhappy but a lot of republicans are unhappy about that yeah um so maybe we see more senators and more um congressmen who are on the establishment side start to you know kick up against trump yep. or maybe they fall in line maybe they realize we're not going to be able to just play the old game of you know old school neoliberal conservatives who you know talk about repealing obamacare for seven years and then when it gets around to it they just stop yeah i mean they have the chance they've got every single house they have everything lined up and they can't even that was their that's what they got voted in for obama yeah, lost it was one of the main points like i was talking to my dad before the election happened i think it was the day before and he was saying you know what i think trump's gonna win i was like why do you think that and he said well i was watching um the news the other day and they had this old lady on there um who hadn't voted in like 30 years or something and her the only reason she was voting was because they were going to get rid of obamacare yeah and that's the thing it, it was a bit of a lie because they said you know if we're going to repeal Obamacare, we need, you know, a million senators and we need a million... Like, practically, their, their, their argument was, we need more. Yeah. When they... Really, they had more. I mean... They did. But you uh, can't really get a better House and Senate than what they got. Well, what they've got now, and it's kind of typical of, of, of the right. And what happens in the right is we don't um, see the right consolidate around issues because there are so many differences. Now, that's great yeah. because you get the kind of hopefully the free-flowing debate and the reasons why an issue should or shouldn't um, get up. Yeah. Um, but you also have the problem of it does slow things down and it does look as though things aren't getting done, but you do, you really do want that healthy free-flowing debate around an yeah, issue because sure. that's the easiest and best way to get 
to a point where you've got the best policy to actually come out. Um, yep. Hopefully, hopefully we see some sort of consolidation and that's what the American people voted for. So let's hope that we see the, the uh, Obamacare be repealed because it's, it's failing. I mean, look, they've been in there a while now. I think it's at the point now where stuff actually has to start getting done instead of attempts yes. at stuff getting done. It looks bad. It needs to start happening. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to lose a lot of people. Yeah, well, it, it looks really bad now and now it's gone back again. And I think that... I really think that Trump's learned from this in the sense that I think he's going to get out there and bully, to a certain extent, his congressmen, his senators, yep. into line to say, look, you get this done. And that's what a president can do and should do. Um, and he's not been very good at it. He's kind of cottoned onto it towards the end. I think he, I think Trump thought he could do less. I thought that he thought they would fall in line because they kind of knew the trickle down. Okay, well, this is what I want. But yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. realized that he's really going to have to put them under the thumb and go, get this through, get this done, um, or else it's just not going to get done. And he's done some, I, I think, some awesome stuff. I was looking just before I, I, I uh, we started this, something like $33 billion worth of regulations have been repealed. Yeah, a lot of re Something like that. But, but I, it, might, it might have been as low as $25 billion, but that's still many. Massive. And Obama had added $3 billion on. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a, a turnaround of about $28 billion, which makes it far easier for investment um, in businesses. And we saw a 2.6% increase in the economy in this quarter alone. 3%, yep. that's, that's your goal. If you can get a 3% growth every year, man, your economy is flying. Oh, great. So, um, thing, good things are happening, but he's really got to, he's got to get his White House under control. He's got to pick who he wants. Um, and he's got to stop people like Scaramucci just, man, running mouth. Like, there's one thing being um, militant and belligerent and, and getting other people into line. That's a great trait. Every once in a while, if you're dropping a line that kind of makes people think, man, if I don't pull my head in, I'm, yep. I'm going to be, you know. But going out there and just on the record, it sounds nuts. It, it really does <laughs> yeah, sound like... Yeah, a, it really, really does. If you want reality TV, American politics right now is... Pretty interesting. It's pretty, yeah. You couldn't script this stuff. Yeah, yeah. No one ever. No one thought Trump, and now Scaramucci's like mini me. It's like Austin Powers. You know. Yeah, it is exactly like that. Just not as evil. I don't know, man. That guy seems pretty evil. Scaramucci does. Yeah, I'm. T I'm talking more Trump. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I. I think. I think this whole kind of Trump is the most evil, dastardly human in the world. I, I don't buy it for a second. Um, we don't. I guess Scaramucci for me is an unknown entity, and if his first kind of foray off the bench <laughs> onto the field is destroy everything that the field on the well, field like. Well, like even what he called Priebus, which was ridiculous. He's just like I said. I'm trying to find where it is. Yeah, it, he, was, it, it was nuts. Something, something a about paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah, <laughs> on on the record as well. Yeah, you know if you're hearing rumors. Like of, of that, that's bad. But on the record, um, to go up, well, I guess it doesn't matter now because previous he's gone. Yeah. So and yeah. supposedly he resigned. Supposedly he resigned. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's kind of one of those things that, of course, they're going to say they resigned exactly, because they yeah. don't want to come out as being fired. Exactly. Um, same same with um, the uh, media guy. Like he he was Spicer. Spicer yeah. Spicer said he resigned. Yeah. Well, Maybe not. I don't he, think so. Who's to know? Um, but that's not all that's been going on in the world of Trump this week. And this has, when this came out, 
my Twitter feed exploded with just so much hysteria for Trump banning transgenders from joining the military. Yeah, well, I don't have Twitter, so I didn't see that. But I, 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 I could, I could picture it. I didn't need to. Oh, um, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, Even people that I really like, they're friends of mine. I was just like, you are so out of touch on this. Um, I, I kind of, I think it's funny because it's one of those issues where it is just virtue signaling gold. <laughs> yeah, really it is, is. It is a. It is. It a, is. That's like you know how um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Yep. You know what I mean? On, on in terms of like virtue signaling currency, this is just gold because this relates to. I think it's like a point three of a percent of the population in the US. Yeah. I use U.S. statistics because I'm, I'm more across them. I'm not quite sure about Australia, but um, I can't imagine it's much different. Yeah. Okay. So this is a this is a, this is a quite a minority. Yeah. Um, so not many people deal with transgenders on a daily basis. Um, so really, most people don't have a close connection or any any reason yep. to be overly personally invested. But it's just gold to get up on on the pulpit and just talk about how this is the worst thing since um, segregation. Something. You know, like honestly, the, yeah, it, and it's, it's funny. Everything is the worst. Everything is Everything. like so. The last thing that Trump did was the worst, but now this. Well, this is definitely the worst. This is the worst worst. Yeah, and I think a lot of commentators have spoken about this before. We're at hysteria level. You can't go further than there's that. There's no hist there's nothing. So at peak hysteria level, there's only one more thing. It's it's complete, you know, utter um, resist, will resist by all means necessary. And it goes from hysteria in a public debate scenario, social media um, scenario, to punch a Nazi. <laughs> Basically, yeah. You know? And that's it's nuts. So um, I don't know. Do you wanna do you wanna take a little bit on this on this transgender thing? We've got some st well, statistics and it's <sighs> It's something, What's your kind of view on it? My view on it is that it's totally rational. My first, th as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Well, yeah, that makes sense." Because, in my opinion, I think that transgenderism is in itself a mental illness. I think it's kind of like a side piece of um, schizophrenia, where mm. you have multiple personalities. This just happens to take over your entire personality, and you believe that you are this person. To jump in there, it's interesting that for a hundred or so previous years, when we had, um, I'm, I'm not sure, quite sure that it's like the um, the psychology handbook of all the uh, mental disorders. I can't remember what the, the there is a specific one that is referred to, um, and that's got all your mental disorders. Gender dysphoria, up until recently, was still in there as a mental yeah. illness. So it's yeah. interesting to see that. Um, you know, so this is not a baseless kind of claim. No, where no. And and the thing is, I've seen many military personnel from the US come out, people like Tim Kennedy, um, come out and be like, when you are in a life or death situation, you need to be able to rely on the people around you. And f to have transgender people in the military at this point, 90% of them are not mentally stable. There is a 90% mental illness rate among transgenders which if in a life or death situation they just do not have the brain capacity to be able to deal with the things that are going on around them well, and I, be I, able to help to protect the people around them at the same time exactly I, I gotta jump in now you said I know it was just a word but I know you said brain capacity but I think, I think it's um, mental capacity not capacity, but I think it's the stability. You know what I mean? I know what you're yeah, getting yeah, at, yeah, but yeah, I just want... I, because I don't want people to think that, you know... It's I'm not saying they're dumb. Yeah, I'm or saying, deficient in, no, 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 in that sense. Saying, but yeah. as you're right, in a, a combat um, scenario, you need people that are really mentally able to hold it together. And yeah, that's what absolutely. we were just saying. So you've got a 90% mental health rate in the transgender community. Yep, you sure so do. 
that's extremely high. You've got, okay, so you've got a 40% attempted suicide rate across the transgender gender community. Yeah, so you really do. That's a terror, like that's a, that's a poor reflection on, on the general well-being of transgender. So obviously there's an issue there. Now, if we just compare that quickly to um, the attempted suicide rates in normal people in the in the normal people i can't what were we sitting at There's something something at about um oh yeah about 4.6 is the normal yeah. it's, percent it's crazy so it's crazy difference obviously that's a trend that is worrying i don't understand how people can look at statistics like that and go yeah no no, no they're fine yeah yeah so and, and i mean this kind of goes to it why if the argument is that these these people need um help acceptance um you know, they need to be looked after. Why then do you think it's beneficial to put them in active military service roles? Exactly, exactly. It really doesn't make sense. And people are going to make the argument that um, that African-Americans weren't allowed to fight in the military. And It's not the same thing. It's not nowhere close to the same thing. It's not. And the reason why is because those African-Americans are perfectly capable of fighting. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Now, the difference with, without going too far into it, the difference with... Um, issues like uh, segregation and, and stopping uh, people because of their race is because racism is, when it, when it is apparent and when it is actually implemented, is a terrible thing because it's stopping someone from doing something purely because of their race. Now, if yeah. someone can't do something just because they can't do it, I mean, they shouldn't be, you shouldn't be uh, uh, forcing them or allowing them, lowering the standards. Yeah. There are standards within the military for a reason. You can get... Uh, you can get stopped from going in because you have flat feet. Yeah. So, and it's as simple as if you're looking at a group of people and you're going, look, I know the individual, you might be the one individual who is the strongest mentally capable um, transgender on the planet, right? But on a general consensus, uh, on a general view, you fall into a category where unfortunately there is a high likelihood of you suffering from these, um, these, these problems high attempted suicide rates so you don't want to bring people from those categories into a fighting unit and and lower the general cohesiveness of the of the unit well just imagine like um, how many soldiers come back with shell shock and they're they've been mentally strong yeah they're fine but when they come back they break down imagine people with as we said already a predisposed 90% mental illness rate yeah then going out getting shell shocked and coming back even more damage than they already were. Yeah, look, it just, it, to me, it makes no sense. I mean, I, I've said this before. I, I have no issues if a, if a male wants to dress as a female or a female wants to dress as a, as a male. Agreed. Um, it's, not a, it's not as if there's any issue there. Um, I just think that in, in this scenario, it just doesn't, it stands to reason that precluding them from active military service because of the possible um negative ramifications it just makes logical sense now if you take away the emotions and the feels and actually focus on the facts here it it becomes pretty clear and it's not a discriminatory thing it's it's basically to protect them from Look, themselves it is a discriminatory thing because the army is a discriminatory system where if you don't meet these threats it's like you don't get to walk in and go i really want to be a navy seal guys and they go cool go do some pull-ups yeah i don't do pull-ups yeah, yeah. but th but what i meant was it's not going we don't like you, so we're not going to let you do no, this. No, 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 it's, it's not. It's just it's, meet these requirements that are objective requirements that you have to meet. And if you can't, go away. It's to protect you from yourself. You think that you can go and do this, but it's yeah. like, 
look, you can't. You just can't do it. And you're protecting the other people in the unit because, as you said before, if you've got, like, you know, just imagine holding down, like, some sort of area where there's, like, 10 and you're being ambushed and it's like, hey, we've got, like, you know, 10 minutes till reinforcements. We have to hold this position. And then two of your you men... Watch the door. Like, yeah, two, oh, two of your men just uh, lose it. Yeah. You're gone, man. Like, you know, yeah. that's that's... You can't have that. And you... I mean... You've seen everyone's seen the movie where the typical, the atypical character breaks down, and it's usually them breaking down. Even we saw in Dunkirk. Yep. You know, it's not yep, going to ruin absolutely. anything. He breaks down. It's not him that he hurts. It's others around him it because he's shell shocked. Yeah, he is. So and it ju- yeah, it just it just protects not only the transgender person from themselves. It also protects the people around them, and I think that's the point of this whole thing. We need to be thinking of the people that are in the military at the moment that need people who are mentally strong around them and can handle those situations. And if we're putting people in those situations that can't handle it, then that is just going to result in a lot of death. So it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, I wouldn't have minded. Cause I know that, I know that when Trump came in, cause Obama made this policy and this is, Obama was great at this. He put in a lot of, uh, you know, it was like last minute and he was like, I'm going to ram through everything I possibly can. So every time, that even if it was a poor policy, poorly instituted, every time that the Republicans repeal it or Trump stops it or abolishes it, it's going to look really badly. Like, it's going to look really bad for him. So what he did was he practically, like, dropped a few, you know, underlying sea mines so that when... Trump got in. He was like, man, we've got to get rid of all these things. And it's just like a field day for the the media. Um, So this is an Obama policy that was, like, late, far late. So he was never going to have to deal with it. Trump comes in and he says to Mattis, which is his um, Secretary of State, he goes, look, I'm going to give you six months. I want you to do a report. He's obviously um, not let that report, that six-month report, come back. And the whole idea was if you get the report, if you get the facts together, and then, you know, you prove that um, it's better for transgenders not to be in the military for the sake of the military, um, then you've got a a formidable argument. But to me, the the issue with that is... um, why bother? Because we on, we know what the reply is going to be from the mainstream media. Even if yeah. it came out with the strongest argument saying that this is just not a good idea, you would have had the same kind of outroar, uh, uh, you know, um, uproar, the same sort of virtue signaling that we got. And I mean, for me, if this is the road he's going to take, I'm glad that he's come out. Twitter. Yeah. I mean that that was a little bit disrespectful yeah, to people I don't, who I are. I don't like the Twitter announcements. I'd yeah. rather it come out as a press release. Well, if it's a serious piece of policy and legislation, supposedly he has done this um, not behind the Pentagon's back, but he blindsided them. Now yeah. you want to get you want to get Madison involved in this as well you because get he's your whole team on board. Yeah, he's your guy. So now you've got people scrambling late, and this could be kind of a a. I think it was Kushner was the last thing. Um, that was a little bit of an up... Oh, well, actually, no, he was attacking Jeff Sessions. So a lot of people have said this is kind of like, oh, shiny thing. Yeah, um, maybe yeah. he was going to announce this later. And now he's just gone, shiny thing, let's focus on that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just runs the risk of rubbing people in your team the wrong way and just keeping them out of the loop is not a good thing. No, no, no. It's a, it's That's exactly... You're playing catch-up. You're yeah. Straight away, you're playing catch-up. Being on a Trump's team would be... Really oh, hard, I assume. It, yeah, for you sure. know, you like one minute you're having dinner, and next minute you look at your phone, and you're like, "Wow, thanks, major policy." And now <laughs> exactly. I've got to run home and exactly. get ready to write a speech or some sort of announcement to, you know, back this up. And then you don't even know where he stands. Um, yeah. I think that's that's a major issue I'm having um, with Trump at the moment. Is I think he's not quite learned the whole kind of united front release push, you know, yeah. solidify. Um, All right, so. Um, That's enough of that. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with you guys 
pretty soon. We'll see you soon. And we are back from that short break. We had to take a quick break just to look through Trump's Twitter feed to see if there was any major policy announcement. You never but know. You really don't know at this uh, in this current political climate. And that's what we've come to expect from Trump. Um, but uh, moving on, we're going to stay with things that are a little bit more on the serious side. So this is pretty much, in my view, this is a this is a tragedy. Um, it's a real, real sad story, man. Um, this is state overreach and what you really can expect if you um, give the state control of healthcare for one. Um, I think people really don't understand the consequences of allowing the state to control healthcare providers and to make these kind of decisions. But um, what we had was the case of Charlie Gard, which from what I can gather was kind of semi semi covered by the Australian media. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I've never seen anything about it on the Australian um, news club. Any news station in Australia, I've never seen it on there. Um, only ever when I go on, you know, international. Ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that it's big on um, on on your right wing and your conservative because it's kind of it's a great. Um, it, it, it's it's an example of what universal healthcare can do. Yeah, it really it really highlights the inherent issues that come with um, with allowing your government to be the provider and to make these kind of decisions. So. Yep. Pretty much what we had was um, Charlie Gard was born with, a, uh, it, it was a disease, mitochondrial disease, but in effect, it pretty much means that your organs can't get power, um, get energy um, within the body to actually make them function. Yeah. So, and this is a ridiculously rare disease. At yeah. the moment, in the entire world, there are 16 cases. Yeah, so obviously that is, you know... It's, it's a ridiculous... Ridiculously rare yeah. disease. There, there, there's, n- there's not much uh, more specialised you can get um, no. if you're looking for care um, for something like this. So your general, your general hospital isn't going to have any idea what to do no with this, which was kind of the funny thing, and it leads into um, it leads into this story. So um, this is over in the UK, where you've obviously got um, the NHS, National Health Scheme, or whatever. Yeah, it, pretty it stands sure that's for. what it's called. Um, so it's your socialised single payer healthcare where everyone's covered for everything irrespective of any stupid decision that you might make, any um, poor life, life, lifestyle choices. Everyone's got to pay for your um, terrible, terrible life choices. Exactly. Um, so, which is completely unrelated to Charlie Gard, who's, I mean, you oh, can't, you no, unfortunate getting no. born like this. But um, the, point, the point I'm getting at here is what happens is he's been born, these doctors have decided that there is no way that he can survive. There's, he's going to survive. So there's no treatment available. They've exhausted every avenue. They've just put him on life support and left him there. Yeah, so they chuck him on life support and the parents go, well, we want to take our child and try out this experimental um, treatment that's over in the US, which yep. is going to cost some yep. mozza. But Ra- they raised $1.6 million yeah, for this, by the way. Which, a little side note, it's kind of... Um, it, it shows that people are charitable because there's yeah, always that, that leftist kind of thing of... Oh, if you don't have the government doing something, well then, well then, no one, no one who can afford it is ever gonna get any get any health and uh, help and charity. It's like no, you'll find that when people actually have a good argument, in the sense that there is someone who really does need help. I mean, people are more than willing to cough up. 
Um, well, well, it's like that graph that you posted on Facebook the other day of like, is this issue important? Yes. Would you be willing to pay for it if you weren't forced to? Yeah. If you say no, then you go straight back to the top. Is this important? Yeah, exactly. Because obviously, <laughs> if people aren't willing to shell out for it, so people have seen this and they go, look, this is important. We think that they, exactly. you know, they, they, they should be helped. And this is on top of people who get taxed a mozza yeah. to pay for the single yeah, payer health. Exactly. So they're going over and above. So that's really a good indication it's of great, how people great, great um, people actually are charitable. Um, so they raise all this money and they say, look, they go to the hospital and they say, look, we want to take him overseas to the US. Funny how everyone comes to the US yeah, for their health care. Like they don't have universal health care yeah. and they have independent, you know. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if they have the best health care. I wonder why. I wonder why. It couldn't be sure. anything to do with the free market. Uh, this is a new concept. Uh, uh. That, you know, um, I know a lot of people are new to this. Free market, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Relies on competition to uh, increase people's talent. Um, uh. So they, uh, they... It sounds revolutionary. Yeah, it was revolutionary <laughs> until we decided that we didn't like it anymore. Well, we did not like it. We were lied to about it. People decided they don't like progress. Yeah, but they call themselves progressives. Anyway, yeah, um, back to the point. <laughs> so there's a doctor in the US who says, hey, look, um, I've got this new experimental treatment that I'm working on. Yep. Um, if you bring him over, I'm going to give him a rough chance of about 10% of sorting himself out. Yeah. Uh, of us being able to help him. So the parents obviously want to take their child. And I, for me, this is a no-brainer. Parents no want brainer to take child all. to get health care. They um, own child. Yeah, well... They are the ones that are responsible for the child exactly. up until the age of 18 when the child can look after itself. Exactly. And the doctors and the hospital turn around and say, no. We're keeping him here. Yeah. You don't have a choice. Um, go to court if you want to, but we're keeping him here. He's yeah. Gonna, he's going to die, so we're just going to let him die. Yeah, so they decide, a, 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 a company, a an organization, because the hospital... Of course, they care to a certain extent, but who, who, who do they... Who, who do, how do they know what is best for an individual look, child's... This, welfare th over the parents this is just coming to me as well like this they, these parents must have been shelling out so money to keep this kid in that hospital as well um well no sorry no it's not because it's universal health care but the hospital want would have wanted to keep the kid there because at the end of the day hospitals are business they're earning a lot of money off this kid that's something maybe that's a bit out there and a bit dark but at the end of the day that could have been a factor i think um I think they would get a certain portion of funds depending on who they've got. So yeah. that, that could be true. Um, that could be true. At the same time, um, they, they wanted to turn off the um, life support pretty much straight away. Um, this is true. But this is true. in the end, it comes down to who you think should make the decisions for your child. Should it be the state or should it be the parent who arguably has... Um, the highest likelihood, the far highest likelihood of actually being invested in the welfare of the child. Well, you'd hope because if the parents aren't, yeah. you've got um, you've got no hope. Well, and you can see in the fight that's been going on with this, and you know throughout this entire scenario, these parents would were going to every every inch of hope they could get to yeah. to try and save this kid. Of course, and and that is well within their rights too. Absolutely. I mean, um, so what effectively happened was they said, all right, we're going to take it to court. By the time they got it through the court system, which the court system turned around and said, no, the child has to die. So pretty much, yes, blood on your hands. This is what happens. You know, plus one in the side of... Um, 
death courts who decide who lives and who uh, and who dies because that's exactly what they did. Oh, and I don't, I don't want to draw any. There, there is no. Um, a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, well, they didn't decide." And look, they didn't put the child in that situation, um, but they had a, a hand in choosing that the child was going to die. So I'm they, ascribing they I'm ascribing the guilt there to the state. One to state death of child. Um, they had the opportunity to be able to go. You know what? We should send this kid over there and give him yeah. that ten percent chance. Yeah, but they should. But they just decided, nah, yeah. nah. They shouldn't have even had the opportunity to make that decision. It's not up to the courts to do that. Um, so, what we saw is that got caught up in the court system, and by the time that they they even were really ready to make a decision. It was too late. Um, yeah. Muscle dystrophy had, had um, kicked in so badly that the child had no chance of having any, any recovery at all. Um, and so, as I said, this is plus one in the f- in the court system of um, it, it, to the state of killing um, it, it's um, its population. That that's that's what you're going to get in a single health um, healthcare system because what it ends up com- coming down to is we've got this in Canada as well is they decide well do we want to shell out the funds on someone who has a one percent chance of dying and they go uh, no because we can put it elsewhere it's like that's not up to you if these people are willing to pay for it themselves they're the ones with the best interest of the patient in heart because it's their child they should have gone across whether or not you agree with what they're doing whether or not you think you know maybe you say oh well I would want my son to die for indignity Great, that's interesting that you'd want your son to. That's your decision to make. It's not your son. Exactly. And that's your decision. I want to give you the right to be able to turn around if your son has a terminal illness, uh, you know, eight months and say, well, I want to turn off. And I go, hey, look, that's your choice. You're the parents. Yeah. Right? As long as there's not some reason, they're not turning off the. Because it's inconvenient to them. Yeah, something like that. Obviously, there's certain um, parameters on that statement. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, I mean,. It's just such a sad story, man. It's, it just shows that there are major problems going on in this system at the moment and it needs to be changed, but people still just go, no, this is what we need. This is We just want everything to be free and don't really look at the consequences of this. And this is the biggest one that I've seen that you just go, this is what can happen. Man. Yeah, and uh, uh, people don't think about it. They, they won't actually draw the conclusion that... Um, because it's all great to think that something's free and to think, oh, look, you know, I just get this and, you know, technically I'm not paying. Well, it's not free. You're paying for it. Someone else is paying for it. Everyone is paying for your terrible life decisions. It's funny yeah. that in Australia we tax people unbelievably on cigarettes, right? And we try to make the argument that, oh, that's to cover them in the health system. Yeah. Smokers pay back way more. They cover their own costs and then some because... <laughs> These are people that, for one, they're paying such a high high rate that mm-hmm. it, it's just unbelievable. And then they die earlier as well. Yeah. So they're less of a burden. You know, if you're a smoker, you're going to die 15 to 20 years early. If you've been smoking for 40 years, you've paid into this system all this money, and then you die at 60, and people who live in a 90 are yeah. still living yeah, on yeah, your... Yeah, yeah. People don't really think about it. And uh, it comes down to a major question of where does your rights lie? Where Where... And... This is what happens when you give these rights up to the state where you go, I want this safety net, I want this um, this kind of protection. Yeah. You are always going to give up your liberties because if you really want freedom and you really want uh, your personal liberty, you then live with the consequences of your decisions. Um, so this means that if you don't get health insurance and you get sick, well then 
you haven't really made an adult choice, have you? Yeah. I mean, you have to cover yourself because as an adult, things are going... It's like driving around in a car and then getting really upset when you crash your car and then you've got no insurance on it. I mean, we it's the same thing. Why would you turn around and blame anyone else but yourself? Yeah. People need to understand that they need to take responsibility for their own actions because... As soon as you start doing this, as I said, you give up your liberties and then next minute we have things like this happening where it's in effect it's a death court. Yeah. Decides who lives and, who's, and, and who dies. Um, yeah, just not a fun thing to be having to break down, but uh, it's, it is just really necessary to do so. Yeah, and I think, I think hopefully people think about it a little bit more when they do think about the healthcare system and when they're complaining about it, um, especially in Australia where we're seeing the Medicare system just become... A bigger and bigger burden on people. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not quite sure exactly what's going to happen, but I think at some point, uh, Medicare is going to fail because it's just it's an exponential amount. It's an exponential cost. It's never going to be enough. You ask the left. Yeah. You ask them. You just say, okay, well, there's always we need more money. We need more. Look, give me a figure. They give you a figure. <laughs> yeah. And then that figure is going to change. Yeah. So what you're effectively saying is, we need a solution that we don't even know what the solution is. Because if it's more money, exponential money, an exponential amount of money, that isn't a solution. Yeah. If you're having to put keep putting money into something, that is not a solution for a problem. <laughs> um, uh. So, it, honestly, um, this is what you get with your nationalized healthcare. Um, whatever your thoughts might be on it, maybe we, we people need to start thinking a little bit more critically of the implications down the road and what can happen when individual cases do come up like this and we can see the stark realities of single health payer system, you know? Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's It sucks to talk about, but it's completely necessary and, uh, yeah. Okay. Rest in peace to Paul Charlie. Well, do we want to move on to a little bit of a... Yeah, let's get... Let's get a bit lighter. Let's talk about some popular culture. What's been going on in the world at the moment? Some entertainment. Okay. Whoa. So you've been wanting to talk about this. Game of Thrones. Popular culture. It's, it's is back. It's been back for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. So what? Two, two episodes. Two of, episodes in. I've got. Um, I mean, I love talking about popular culture because I don't think people quite realize how much of an impact it has on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really believe that a society, um, the best way to kind of gauge a society is to um, see what they're doing art-wise, you know, what they're, what they're listening to, what they're viewing, mm-hmm. what they actually view as beauty and art because yeah. it's interesting if you've got um, people spending their free time on something, like because that's, what, that's a great indication of what um, a society values is what they're spending their free time Absolutely. on. Because they're not, you know, we don't get a crazy amount of free time. Unfortunately, we have to work to sustain ourselves, lefties, that's true. You don't get things for free. Um, tell you what's funny. I always feel better when I'm busy. It's almost like these leftists go, don't want to be busy, don't want to work, we'll just laze around. And then they get... Upset. Upset. It's yeah. Like, oh, maybe it's because you're not filling your time. Yeah, well, you're not... Fulfil- like, I'm, if you're not doing anything where at the end of the day you've got something to be proud of, I mean, you have no purpose. Exactly. Without a purpose, I mean, of course you're just going to... like. I mean, Jordan Peterson said this before. He's like, if you want to... If you want to feel tormented and, and, you know, just sit down and do nothing for a while because the world is a tormenting place and uh, th- that's the easiest way to do it is just, you know, yeah. keep yourself uh, doing nothing and, and you're going to be upset. <laughs> um, but talking about Game of Thrones, I've, look, 
the reason why I like Game of Thrones is because obviously it's cool. I like dragons. Like dragons are cool. Whatever. Um, the reason why I liked it originally was because I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. That's what I thought. What, what did you find like most interesting about Game of Thrones? I just thought the storytelling, sorry, storytelling was done really, really well. I think yeah. that it was written really well. Yeah. It was directed very well. It looked beautiful. Yeah. Um, the characters were interesting to me. I yeah. got invested in characters and then just suddenly they'd be gone. That's what I liked. That's what I liked. Because I couldn't pick it. Now, I got, I got a, I've got a... Um, I, I seem to be able to pick a lot of storylines pretty, pretty easily. Okay. That's why I liked... Like, you know... I don't know if you've ever watched Black Mirror on Netflix. I haven't, no. Okay, people talk about that and they're like, oh man, watch this. It's just the biggest twist. I swear, I sat down and watched it with my girlfriend and she can attest to this. Every single episode... You could just like, tell what was going to happen. Man, one of them was like three minutes in. I'm like, bang, got it. You want to know? And she's like, sure. <laughs> bang. And it's like, that's, that's boring to me. You know what I mean? It's like, that's oh, really boring. And it kind of, it, to me, it's like, how how much are these writers getting paid to write something that's so predictable? <laughs> and it's like, it's it's funny and because... It's a lot of money. Yeah. And you can make a predictable twist. You know what? That, that's so funny. Yeah. You've got people now, it's like, we're going to make a twist that's going to like, wow, the general public and it's like they're still wowed by this really obvious twist that was going to happen it's like there's a category that's come up which is like typical twist it's just like i, I don't know anyway that's why i like game of thrones so much and i didn't really see the politicized um underpinnings of the show and then they started to really really come out now i've got no problems with female leads no i find i always thought daenerys was cool I love what Daenerys is doing. I like I like the concept of it, you know, yep, um, yep. It, and it's an interesting one because it plays into um, back in back in the times of, of the Persian Empire. One of the reasons why they were so um, uh, so successful is they didn't go around and just murder and kill everyone. They kind of adapted and brought the cultures in yep. because they knew that they could grow it. And that's the same thing as what Daenerys is trying to do. She doesn't want to go in and take down Westeros um, in the fiery bloodbath because you know. That's going to cause resentment, and then you know, fifty well, years going to be nothing left to rule. Yeah, and it, and it causes resentment in a culture. Whereas if you kind of bring a culture into into the fold, um, that's where you gain allegiance. Yeah. Anyway, every single person, bar Jon Snow, is now every single lead role. Lead role is a female. Yep. Um, what does this? What does it really bring to? And that's the thing. You've got to think. Why does that make the show better? It doesn't necessarily it do, make it, it worse. Make show, it do, no. It doesn't make the show worse, but it doesn't make it better. It's just grandstanding. Yeah, well, it's just like done, done for the sake of being done. I think, And that's a, yeah. this is the point I want to make. It doesn't make it particularly um, worse or anything. But now you've got that eight-year-old girl who consistently gets up at Castle Black. That's yeah. where they are right now, I think. Yeah. And goes on and makes it and, and shouts down like 40 to 50-year-old, you know, rulers. Saying, I want this and I want that. What is she, like 8, 12, 13, oh. whatever. She's young. Why would any guy who's 40 turn around and go, hmm, yes. Let's listen to the child. She knows what she's doing. She's yeah. mature. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter. Take away the she and make it a he. I'd be going, what do you know, you little twerp? Yeah, you're exactly. A little, a little boy, you're a, a little kid. kid. Right. Either way, you're a kid. And that's what so... What have you experienced? It's so stupid. It's so, And it's like... It's real dumb. It's like, why do they have to make her the source of moral courage and it's it's like saying that you know and which isn't true as a child you don't have really any moral markers you don't you haven't learned it so turning around and saying that all children are 
are the you know the moral beacon, the beacon of light. We should just look to children. It's like that's just it's not true. It doesn't look, apply in any scenario. It's just a non-creative way to go. Hey, look, diversity. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a massive virtue signal. Um, and and I was speaking to someone about this, and they were saying, you know, you look too deep into things, and and I said, well, look. If you don't, if you can't see what's going on, if you can't see what the author's trying to, or the writer, or whatever, is trying to get across, you're going to become susceptible to that at a subconscious level. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, and that will reverberate out into the rest of your life. Yeah. You do. You pick up a lot, and, and to kind of say that someone isn't um, isn't going to be manipulated or shaped at all by the experiences, their cultural experiences, I think is just completely. Um, it's asinine. It's it's not it's not correct. Yeah. Um, and it kind of builds into what we're seeing with the rest of popular culture. Like I know you were talking that there was oh, some I'm other. Just, it, this Game of Thrones situation with all the female leads. Like I'm fine with female led movies. There's some great ones out there. But at the moment, what's happening in Hollywood at the moment is they're going. Let's take known properties that were originally led by men and let's just do the same thing but instead of having men do it let's just do females so you've got you had Ghostbusters last year you have a female Doctor Who now they want to do a female uh, James Bond and you've got a remake of Ocean's Eleven coming out called Ocean's Eight with eight females in it because they could only find eight people who were suitable for the role two of which aren't even actors and I saw um, one of the people that we're a big fan of um, Nick Burtke, uh, otherwise known as Pogo, come out and be like, as I said earlier, this is just an unoriginal way to grandstand and go, hey, look, we're being diverse. When to really represent women and to really go, women are powerful, come up with some original ideas, some original stories. Yeah, to make, go, a, make a character. That's, yeah, exactly. Don't know. just go, oh, men did this, so women should do <laughs> this now. It's funny seeing Wonder Woman do so well and it's like she had the strength of like the fight, but then she also at the end of uh, correct me if I'm wrong, goes to marry a man and yeah, it, 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 well, am she, I right? She Having falls kids in love him? with a man and he passes away. Yeah, it's like a woman can still be a woman and be strong, but still have a relationship with a man. She yeah. doesn't have to be this overpowering. And you know why Wonder Woman was so successful? It's an original character, yes. an original strong female character. Yeah, and she's very good looking. That actor. Ooh. Let's just um, let's just put it in there. But Ooh. yeah, um, going. Taking taking a, a movie or a TV show and then going, it's this plus vaginas, it doesn't equal yeah, creativity. Yeah. It just equals this plus vaginas plus usually pretty bad writing like that Ghostbusters movie writing. flopped. Real bad writing. Um, and you've seen this in the music industry as well. Um, we So over here in Australia, there was just recently a festival that went down called Splendor in the Grass, of course, a world-famous festival. And um, Triple J... I've posted this video clip of best this band. Best up-and-coming band, supposedly. They, yeah, best up-and-coming band. Uh, called Confidence Man. Now, on name alone, you'd go, oh, it must be led by a man. No, there is a there is one man. Uh, he likes to just be in his underwear on stage. Yeah, and that's... make noises. And then they've got this girl, lead singer, who just dresses like a toddler. Yeah. Are we, are we going to do like a clip? Do we have to like... Oh, I'm going to put a clip at the end clip. of this podcast. Okay, so we're going to do a clip at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so the issue I've got when I, when I saw this originally is, for one, there is nothing artistic about this. It is some of the worst music I've heard in a very long time. And I, I 
review music. Yeah, and it, it's <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Um, people kind of tend to think that something's catchy, so it makes it good. It's actually really easy to write something catchy. Very Repetitive easy. repetitiveness is for you know, it's like the opium of the masses. You just repeat that same little thing as long as it's quirky. So that's no indication of the artistic uh, um, integrity merit. or yeah. merit of it. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. Yeah, you know, the little quirky little thing got in my head a little bit. Annoying. Yeah, I was like, okay, this verse is all right, but the music behind it was all right, and it wasn't really going anywhere or doing anything. No, it repeated the whole nothing. way, and they danced around the stage, which you're gonna see, and it was just like, oh. it was just it's it's weird for the sake of being weird. I've said this a million times whenever we talk about music. Um, the whole idea is not to be just weird for the sake of being weird. That doesn't make something artistic that doesn't make something that doesn't increase like elevate um the level of the art yeah and what we see these days is people doing this weird for the sake of being weird and then you've got the general population who just turn around and they 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 look into it they they try and they try their hardest it's like blood from a stone trying to decide why it's artistic newsflash it's not artistic it's not no if you want to do something that is artistic that, you know, where's, is it going to be social commentary? Are you making some sort of uh, comment on what's happening in the world at the moment? That's usually what art does. Jane Austen, that's what she did with Pride and Prejudice. That's what makes it a timeless classic. That's what makes it art. These things have no, no basis in any kind of higher order thinking or higher, higher art. And that's the, that's, that's the, the problem I have with it is we have all these just random things occurring and then people going out of their way to justify them there's nothing to justify about a a, a band like this there is there's there's no talent in what she's doing she's talking yeah and looking weird and the the weirdest thing that i found she dresses like a toddler yeah well more like an like what you'd expect like an eight-year-old from like um downtown abbey to wear to bed and it's slutty yeah and it's off-putting and if you stop for a second you go why what is what like why would you dress like an eight-year-old and slut it up and what is that doing and what kind of effect is that having on people um subconsciously um for me it kind of feels like the legitimization of pedophilia and that's what i said that's the first thing i said to you i just thought that man this is just disgusting um Uh, but anyway i'm gonna show a clip of that now Thank you guys for listening to Not A Podcast this week. We are going to be back again next week, of course. Uh, If you have any questions for us, hit us up at notapodcastweekly at gmail.com. All the links for our social medias will be down in the description. And we'll leave uh, the sources as well so you can look them up yourself. Please fact check us and come back with something if we've said something that you disagree with. Tell us where we've gone wrong. Make an argument and we're willing to uh, review it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, please do not enjoy this clip of Confidence Man. We'll see you next week. See you later. Bye now.